that was a excerpt out of the chosen many of you maybe have seen it uh, but the Shema was uh, very common very normal in the Jewish household um, always told I should introduce myself I'm Lonnie Buller if you haven't met me hopefully you I can meet you sometime so uh, but the Shema was was something that was recited morning and evening it probably still is uh, it's it's as common as as we sit down to say our morning prayer or before a meal, maybe you say a prayer and thank God for what, what he's given us. Um, maybe you've been in a church service where you've recited the Lord's Prayer. It, it's a declaration of who we are and, and what God is to us. And, and so it's, it's very normal. And I, I say that because this morning, this it was part of this is the response that Jesus gave to one of the questions that the uh, scribe came up to ask him about and and just to understand the importance of how, how this was just a regular part of the daily life is really really captured my attention that that this wasn't just an answer this was the answer for for him and so we're going to look at that uh, we're, we're going to be in Mark 12 verses 28 through 34 when we get started so Welcome to open up to that. So we're in the part of a dialogue that Jesus has been having. And, and over the last several months, we've been going through this. Uh, this is, Jesus came into Jerusalem, and, and we're right now in one, what will become the last days of Jesus' life. And during this time, the religious leaders are just drilling him. They are trying to trap him. They're trying to find a, a reason to... to to bring everything he's saying and everything he's doing um, under suspicion, to cause people to doubt it and lose favor because their authority is being challenged. They want their position. They want, their, want to be seen uh, as, as the way to God. And Jesus is providing a pathway to God that bypasses them, and they don't want any part of that. And so at, over the past few months, Anthony has shared some different things. He shared first it was the, the scribes and the elders that came to him and challenged him. And then it was the Pharisees and the Herodians that came and challenged him about, about uh, things that, you know, they, they didn't know how to respond once he did. Uh, and then it was the final group that came to challenge him. And these were the people who didn't believe there was a resurrection. And if you remember how he said, these were the... Sad, you sees. They were sad, you see. Yeah, that's how we remember it. Tools. So, but um, it, was, it was like a game of stump the chump, okay? They were all coming into them. And, and these weren't just questions. These were calculated. They were given their best shot because they were intent on finding a way to put him in jail and even put him away. They just, they needed him to lose his, uh, his position in the culture. And so they wanted to do anything they could to get rid of him. Um, it, it, what ends up happening, though, is the game of Stump the Chubs becomes revealing these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these elders and scribes as kind of, we'll say it this way, all hat, no cattle. They, they had, a, had all these words, all this show, but they had no authority to back it up. They, they just couldn't because they were just putting on a show. Um, so we're going to get started. I'm going to read here in verse 28. 
So one of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and he recognized that, answer, that he had answered them well and asked him, What commandment is the foremost of them all? And Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like this, You shall love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, Teacher, you have truly stated that he is one, and there is no one else beside him. And to love him with all your heart, and with all your understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is more than burnt offerings and sacrifices. Then when Jesus saw that he had answered him intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one ventured to ask him any more questions. So when I first read this, my first thought was, oh, here's another scribe. He's going to come in and he's trying to trap him. But it, it was different this time. We see the scribe, he comes in, and he really asks a sincere question. He, and Mark, Mark says, and seeing, the, seeing that he had answered well, speaking of Jesus, that he answered this question well. So we see that this scribe comes in really with an inquiring mind. He wanted to know. God, for the first time in a while, Jesus, you know, in, in days, Jesus was getting a sincere question asked of him, which commandment is the most important of them all? So in verse 29, Jesus answered him and says, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So, hear, O Israel, he starts out. And that's when the clip we saw at the beginning, that's the Shema, to hear. And it, it's, uh, everyone would have recognized when, when he said this. Everybody would have recognized it because they probably prayed it that morning. Um, Shema means to listen. So, so to listen. Yeah, so how many of us guys, okay, let's be honest, we sit on the couch and our wife is talking to us and we listen, we agree, mm-hmm, 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 and, and she gets done talking and we look at her and of course we repeat back to her everything she just said, we, we get up, we go do what she said, right? That, that's how it is in your house? Yeah? Yeah. That's, that's what I thought. It, it, it could, could happen that way. It could happen that way. That's what Shema is. It's hearing and giving attention to what we're listening to. And even beyond that, it's giving attention to and then responding in obedience to, to listen and obey. And if we don't listen or if we don't obey, it's as though we didn't even listen. He continues with, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And so this, this was first found in Deuteronomy 6. It goes all the way back. And in that time, and even in the time of Jesus, polytheism, or lots of different gods, was, was the norm. Outside of the Jewish culture, most, most nations, most people worship lots of gods. You had a god for getting up in the morning. You had a god for good success for the day. You had a god for everything. 
And the, the Jews themselves were completely different. That was the unique. They were set apart because they had one God that they worshipped. And so that was really significant when they prayed that, that they declared, love the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. And, and I don't want it to be any misunderstanding here. It isn't saying God is one. It's saying there is one God. It's not a denial of the Trinity. It's, it's an agreement that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one in, in nature, one in purpose there. So we don't generally today live in a culture that worships a lot of gods. I don't think many of us have friends. It, they do exist, but many of us have friends that lots of gods or lots of idols setting around. But it's still what, what we can focus on, what, what is really important in our culture here is that God is Lord. Jesus, he goes on and he says, And you shall, have, shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And what he's talking about is loving God, loving the Lord, making him the Lord of all that we are. It's not just what we feel. It's, it's also what we project. It's what we think. It's what we do. It's the way we do it. It's... It's a, the completeness. It's all of who we are that, that is loving the Lord your God. And just as the Lord God is one in the Father and the Son and the Spirit, he is the same in character in all parts. He's the same in purpose. He's the same in thought and the same in our ways. There is no difference. There is no deviation there. So we can't just love the Lord our God with our minds and not have any, any feeling any be moved by that and we can't just love God with the way we feel and not have that enter into our thought process and our decisions that we make um, and we can't just love God in the way that we feel and what we think and not have it change the way we act it's like the words of the Shema is to hear is to pay attention to to obey and carry it out. In uh, James 1, 23, uh, Jesus, or, or James, excuse me, is, is sharing, it's, for anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who at his natural face, who looks at his natural face in a mirror. And for once he has looked at himself and then gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. It's unrecognizable. The Lord is one. It's, it's who we give our authority to. The Lord is who we follow, who we worship, whose fruit we bear. And I love what Tim shared this morning in our worship. This is not just any Lord. This is the Lord who spoke the universe into existence with a word. This is the Lord that we worship. Are we making him our Lord? So, or is it myself? Is it my career? Are my pastimes taking precedent as Lord in my life? Are my addictions taking precedent as Lord in my life? Am I letting God be Lord? So it's, it's a battle. It's a continuous battle. We all feel it. We all, we all deal with it. It's a battle for our heart and our mind. 
It's, it's a battle of how we use our time. It's, it's how we use our money. And I think of, of this God who created the world and spoke the world into existence in a word. It's giving God our lordship. It's all or nothing. If I'm keeping anything back, I'm still keeping myself in control. So my giving God my lordship. So as, as, he's, as Jesus is responding, he says two things. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. But he adds to it. And the second is like this, in verse 31. The second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So if you're familiar with this passage, you're probably familiar of it just flowing right through. And loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving your neighbors yourself. It's not two different things. It's one. And I think it's really correct in thinking that way because we can't love God and not love our neighbor. It, it's one and the same. So loving our neighbor, excuse me, I don't want to jump ahead here. Uh, you may be most familiar with, with uh, 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter. And where do we most often hear the love chapter being read? Probably at a wedding, right? So the thing about uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is it talks, it, it kind of moves away from what we commonly think of at weddings at, and, and love in our culture as a feeling. It, it puts it into action. It's 1 Corinthians 13, obviously it's sandwiched between 11 or 12 and 14, and that's where Jesus is talking about the church. He's not talking about marriage, he's talking about the church. So, so look around you. Look at the people that we're sitting with. These are the people he's describing the way we can love. So I am going to read this passage a little differently. This is out of the message, if you're familiar with that, from Eugene Peterson. And just to get a little different picture of, of love from 1 Corinthians 13, let me read this. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but a creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all mysteries and making everything plain as day, I have faith to say to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. And if I give everything I own to the poor, even to the sake of being burnt as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. No, so no, no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares for others more than herself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have to have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't reveal when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of the truth and it puts up with anything it trusts God's always it always looks for the best and it never looks back but it keeps going to the end 
For the way we love one another is the way we love God. It's not just enough to love, it's not just the way we love people within the church, though. It's the way we love all people. And uh, in Matthew 5, or excuse me, Matthew 25, Jesus was sharing a parable with his disciples, and it illustrates it pretty well. Uh, we're going to start in the middle of it, where he says, um, verse 35, Matthew 25, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Forgive me, I lost my place. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you and see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the least of these brothers, you did it to me. So, these two commands are inseparable. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. We purpose to love God in our heart, our soul, mind, and strength, and we carry it out by loving our neighbor as ourself. Just say that again. We purpose to love the God, love God in our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And we carry that out by loving the people around us. If we place God so high, so high in in our in his lordship over us that everyone else, we don't see any difference. There's no distinction between me and my neighbor. But that's the key, is just putting God at his rightful place, putting him above us, not thinking it's me and God, you know, hey, God and I, we're going to conquer the world. No, it's God so far above us that, that there's not a reference point that we can, we can give to who he is. Back in uh, Mark 12, after he had said all this, the, the scribe said to him, this is in verse 32, the scribe said to him, Teacher, right teacher, you have truly stated that he is one and there is no one else beside him. And to love him with all your heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Even the hardness of the scribes that we saw earlier, there were some where Jesus' words was penetrating. This scribe understood that the way to love God and love people is much more than burnt offerings and sacrifices. The way we live out of the posture of our hearts and lo our love and our loyalty to God is far greater than the show and the front that we try to put on. That show in that front, that's just us trying to make something of ourselves. The way we love our neighbor and ourself is from the Spirit. It's letting the Spirit work through us. In Hosea 6, 
uh, 6, he says, For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, and the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. The scribe rightly said that the way we love God and love our neighbor means more than how we carry out the traditions of our faith. It's the relationship. It's being in there, digging in with them, and, and just loving. So, The Shema is more of a creed, like a, like a pledge of allegiance, if you will. And so we close today. I want to do something a little different. It's Maybe awkward, we don't do a lot of this in, in church here, but we're going to read this together and, and just share in this. So I want to recite the first portion of the Shema with you. There are three different parts, and, and the first part is, is what we heard at the beginning. So before we do that, I just want to, want to look at this and, and just let ourselves ask the question, because one, maybe you've never made a commitment like that to God. Maybe that isn't part of, of where you're at today. Maybe you feel there's no way that I'm ready to be with him, that I'm good enough for him. And you'd be right, because none of us are. On our own, none of us are good enough to face God. So making the choice to follow God is not a commitment that we carry out alone. If we confess our sins and our need of a Savior, we are willing to place God as Lord he promises to be there with us. He's already done the work for us. It's not a work that we need to do. He's done the work for us. And he promises to do a work in us. He doesn't promise it's going to be smooth or easy. But he promises that he'll be there with us no matter what it, what it is. So if you've already made a commitment, just take a little moment to consider is there any area of my life that I'm not fully surrendered to God and his lordship? Am I surrendering my whole heart, my whole mind, and my whole strength? Is there any way that I'm trying to recapture control, that I'm trying to grab it back? Oh, whoa, 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 that was too much. I, I need to keep hold of this. So, Or is there anyone that I need to talk to and make things right with. Just take just a moment, a few seconds for you to think about that. As we close here, we're going we're to say this together. We're going to put this up on the screen. This is, again from Deuteronomy 6 uh, verses uh, 4 through 9 so say this with me hear O Israel the Lord your God the Lord is one you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your might and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart you shall teach them diligently to your children you shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets as between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Again, it, it, it's a commitment we make. It's a choice we make. 
Am I going to put God as Lord in my life? Am I going to love our, my neighbor in a way that reflects that? Let's pray together. God, this seems so simple. Jesus' response was very simple in the way he, he came and, and answered the scribe. It's just loving God and putting him first. It's the Lord your God is one and making him Lord of our life. And I pray that, that we would let God be our Lord, whether it's easy, whether it's difficult. Allow us to put aside the trappings of the world, the things that get in the way, things that distract us and let him be Lord and so I just come to you and and we all just come to our knees and say God please be Lord in my life and not be drawn away by this world so God we just want to close in our worship lifting you up exalting you above everything else we pray this in Jesus name Amen